And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Going for Two, presented by Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined by my colleague, Brian Fisher. It's another garbage day in Chicago. I think the college sports gods knew that I'm like, hey, I'm finally taking some time off next week. If we could all just be cool for a minute, because they have stubbornly refused to be cool. Um... We, after we specifically asked them to, extremely rude. You know, it's funny because we were, we were talking offline about, uh, you know, your power. You're, you're going off on vacation. Usually that is like exactly when, you know, news is going to break is, is you say, I'm going to take some time off. It, immediately you understand that news is going to break. But uh, I do have to give you credit. At least you thought you could could control the powers that be to, to, to <laughs> kind of let the news uh, wait. But they they, they, they tried, are on a different I level, tried. man. I tried. So what we're talking about here is an extremely extra points story. Um, I want to make sure that I'm giving credit to the right news outlet. The American Press of Lake Charles, Louisiana, reported late on Thursday uh, that Lamar will be leaving the WAC after one season to rejoin the Southland Conference. And I want to I want to peel back the curtain here a little bit. And this is not me trying to claim credit for this because I got beat, but I do want to provide as much context to this decision as possible, especially as it ties into something that could potentially be much bigger that I'm going to drop on all of your lap and then immediately go on vacation. So I was, I got a, a call around 930 this morning from a source of mine that's affiliated with a Southland institution um, that said, hey, have you heard anything about this? And what I had been hearing for about two months was Lamar could be gettable. Lamar has an, uh, was going through an athletic director transition. They uh, recently had a new president. They were very unsuc- unsuccessful in the whack in football and in basketball and in volleyball and some of these other sports. And the whack that they agreed to join is different from the whack that exists now because they signed up before Sam Houston and New Mexico state left for, um, Conference USA and before uh, UT Arlington joined the league and why things looked different. And, you know, my, my source said, it's like, hey, I, I think this is happening today or very soon. I'm like, wow, that's a little surprising. Let me ask around and see if I can confirm it. And I called some athletic directors in the Southland and they were like, you know, it's funny. I heard the same rumor, but wouldn't tell me one way or another. So I called some ADs in the WAC and uh, I talked to two different people and they both said, this would be news to us. We know what they're talking we know that there is some dissatisfaction among some of the Lamar Booster community, uh, and, but everyone here is new. We figured that, that everyone would have a little bit more time before they made a final decision, and we hope we have a chance to talk with them some more. So on that front, I would say this seems pretty surprising. And the rationale for this decision is a little bit different depending on who you're talking to. So let me try to make my best educated read of all the different information that I've been hearing, right? Part of this is about money. Lamar, not a very big budget athletic department, has not been particularly successful, but also has uh, some of their boosters and some people in this world would like them to be an FBS institution, would like them to be much more successful in football than they have been. So right away, you have a danger sign. Your resources do not align with expectations. Um, and this is a leak where you're going to have to go to Los Angeles. You're going to go to have to go to Seattle occasionally. Travel situation is not as bad as maybe the internet makes it seem to be because 
You're playing a lot of Texas schools too. But it's true. There are a lot of schools in the Southland that are geographically closer to Beaumont. And uh, as I understand it, some for, uh, within the, with the coaches, within the athletic department, and within the outside, we're saying, what are we doing going to Los Angeles, going to Arizona, and going to these places farther away? Um where we can, when we could go someplace closer and also kind of reading between the lines where we're less likely to get thrown into a garbage can of basketball or we have a pathway to be a little bit more successful um, in, in the short term. And so pull the plug. And I don't know about the financials about this yet. I imagine the wax going to be pretty pissed, <laughs> uh, but, and, and the Southland has, has previously demonstrated they're willing to be flexible about things like contracts and hosting and stuff to, to get people to come back. The one thing, there's one thing I can tell you, and then we can kind of talk about how this fits in potentially to something bigger. I think it is easy to immediately speculate, oh my gosh, are all the Texas schools going to come back? What I can tell you, based on what I heard today from people who are intimately familiar with those conversations, is the answer is, as of right now, what day is today? April 7th. So on April 8th, when you're listening to this, that's not true. I have been told in pretty explicit terms that UTRGV does not wants to stay, want, they want to stay in the whack. And that Stephen F. Austin wants to stay in the whack, and that Abilene Christian, all things considered, would prefer to stay in the whack too. And a big, a major part of this, even though big footprint, different league, lots of travel, is alignment in the rest of the footprint. And the WAC setup right now is not just centered around Texas, it's also centered around Utah and around Southern California. And what we know about schools in those states is that they're growing by a lot. They're, uh, the, the enrollment at Utah Valley is huge. It's the biggest school in the state. There's a lot of money coming into, into, into Cal Baptist. There's a lot of money coming into some of these Texas places. There's a lot of money coming into Utah Tech. And when we look at state schools in Louisiana, that hasn't really been the case. They're struggling with funding. They are struggling with state appropriations. They're facing a lot of competition for students, not just from places in Texas, but from Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia and elsewhere throughout the state. So you have some of these Texas schools that are like, I don't care about geography for football travel. This is an institutional alignment decision. I want to be looking towards places that are growing. I can understand how a year into it with different data sets, a different school might reach a different conclusion. But I would I don't would not read based on the knowledge I have right now more into this than actually exists. Um, I think that's what I have on this move right now. De- definitely sucks on the whack, which is as was this kind of cool feel-good story about you know emerging from the ashes of this discarded league and to have this new ambitious future and because of circumstances that had nothing to do with them, there's a possibility they won't ever be able to realize it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fascinating in in, in respect to, to everything kind of going on, not 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 just about this move, but kind of around this move. You have two new commissioners involved in this. Uh, you know, the WAC just had their commissioner, uh, you know, take over in 2022. Chris Grant, uh, you know, at the Southland, I. Uh, Took over Tuesday, I believe it was. So uh, officially from from uh, uh, Burnett. So it's like you, you have new faces, you know, on, on the on the conference side. You have new faces on the school side. You know, Lamar. They they just just had their uh, athletic director. Um, you resigned not too long ago. They've been going through the, their AD search, and uh, you know, it's, it's been a, a pretty complicated one for, from what I've understood. So it's like you, you got a lot of yeah. kind of you know plates up in the air. You got a lot of uh, names and, and changing faces, and yet this conference, uh, you know, move is, is affiliation 
Asian movie is going to happen. And uh, I think that's that to me is kind of where the, the intrigue uh, lies. And I think it can rightfully you know, point uh, point the fingers right at the president in terms of making this decision, making this um, you know institutional alignment fit uh, a little bit better for for Lamar. And um, I, I'm just I'm and I'm just intrigued too because it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about the whack you know way back when potentially being an, another league that does make that transition as a whole from FCS yep. up to the FBS. Um, you know, I, th- I think we're obviously seeing a lot of D two schools consider the jump into you know Division one. Uh, I, I think there there's there's not a there's more than a few that uh, might be jumping from FCS to FBS. So it's like there's a whole lot of moving parts in, in this one and the Texas and and uh, as you mentioned, kind of the, the geographic footprint of both of these leagues. It does overlap a little bit and and how everybody can kind of come to an understanding uh, in terms of where they want to be, who they want to be around, um, and, and really that that institutional alignment at the conference level is also very important. I think for for a lot of these FCS leagues in particular, and I, I think it's it's going to um, kind of pretend that uh, they, we we understand that this could be a very active summer uh, in terms of moves go, going forward. I, yeah, I, I think I might have even in literally the last episode. I think the last time I wrote about the Northeast, I'm like, hey, I think things are settling down a little bit. Are you right? Whatever the NEC and the MAC finally figure out what they're doing or the America East decides that they're taking Quinnipiac or Fairfield um, and, and that uh, settles down like, OK, we can close the book on this um, era. I don't think that's automatically true now. And I'll tell you why about something that I have now heard from officials in like three different conferences. And this is something that I'm going to I'm sure I'm going to see on the message boards later. And so my readers are going to flag it. With these changes, we have a lot of SCS schools that are very close to the auto bid line, either above or over. And one way that we saw some of the schools get around this in the Ohio Valley and the Big South was to merge. And I can tell you that, you know, the ASUN has tried this and they've talked to other leagues about it. I think the Southland has had preliminary conversations about it. I think they did at least once with the Ohio Valley uh, about merging just for football and maintaining other things. The other kind of elephant in the room here is and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times in extra points. I don't think it's really gotten a lot of traction in elsewhere in the college sports media, but this has become more clear to me here too. Um, I have reason to believe that the Sun Belt is kicking the tires on other FCS programs um, to potentially expand, not just to improve the football product, but primarily to improve their product in other sports, especially men's basketball, but not exclusively in, in other places. You have Conference USA that's sitting at nine. And uh, depending on how things go with the transformation committee or depending on how things go, uh, could invite other entities there as well. The, the idea of the FCS to FBS call up, particularly with the July 1 deadline kind of looming and folks not being entirely sure about what that's what it would look like in the future. There is pressure to potentially uh, have other people jump. I don't mind. I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, like on the Conference USA front. Biggest name that I've been hearing in those conversations has been Eastern Kentucky, a school that has made it very clear they would like to be in the FBS for several years. And the school that I've heard the most about this on the Sun Belt is Missouri State. Not the only school, uh, but the one that I've heard the most conversations about. I say all of this to say, if you are an FCS league that is sitting at five, six, seven, or four, and now you might lose other teams to FBS, there is uh, an increasing realization among some of these leagues that there's just no way to make the math work that in order to have a sustainable um reliable fcs auto bid league 
So one thing that I have heard beginning conversations about, I want to stress this before this ends up in like a 22-page thread on Reddit or something. These are early stages in conversations. I do not know exactly where they are going to end up. I am not privy to every specific detail. I know enough that I feel comfortable saying this, and you guys can yell and debate the specifics on your own. I'm going to be gone next week. I'm building furniture. Don't call me. Um, what I've been hearing is that these three leagues have had discussions about what is a vehicle that we could potentially do to allow schools from our leagues to jump to FBS, either as their own league or potentially as some kind of alliance or confederation as independents, negotiate their own bowl bids, figure out how they're going to interplay in, in, in conference, uh, the college football playoff revenue. Maybe they make a run at some conference USA members. Maybe they focus on just the FCS alignment within this league. But that way, if you're Tarleton, if you're McNeese, if you're Eastern Kentucky, if you're, I don't know, Kennesaw State or Central Arkansas or some of these other places that have at least expressed interest at one time in going FBS. And in the case of Tarleton, a lot of interest <laughs> in going FBS that you can um, support those. And then move uh, membership around or create alliances so you can maintain your automatic bids and, comp and tournaments for other sports. Rather than trying to play musical chairs and, and keep FCS auto football auto bids um, for leagues where that may not be tenable. I don't believe any of these three conferences are going to be able to secure enough Division II call-ups to, to reach a, like a, a sustainable seven, eight, nine teams. I know they're trying. I know everyone's called everybody in the Lone Star Conference. I know they've called places out west. I know all of the big schools in the southeast you have, have been called. That's my best intelligence right now. After hearing that, you might know some of these rules better than I do, Brian. Can you think of any way where that might be possible? Like, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, we're all kind of making up the rules here as we go along, but... I mean, what do you, do you put everybody? Do you like create Southland FBS and put everybody in there? Do you? I, I don't. I don't know the right legal or financial vehicle to pull something like this off. You know. Well, I mean, there are certain requirements in terms of sports sponsorships that a lot of these conferences have to meet, and so there's there's that aspect. But that might be changing. You know, I think that's that's the great unknown yeah. too. Is is that a lot of these commissioners like they don't even know essentially what will be required of their conferences going forward. Obviously, you think in terms of the Power Five and and and. The Kind of the high level FBS conferences, they, they're they're going to be okay. But when you're talking about so many changing, you know, membership changes, like you, you kind of don't know, are, are we going to have to re be required to sponsor X number of sports? You know, will it be a case to where we kind of have a a satellite conference, if you will? You know, I, I think I've we've spoken a little bit about you know like the MPSF in terms of housing some of those Olympic yeah. sports, maybe something like that, a, a similar arrangement uh, that they kind of have as as the the underling, if you will, to to the Pac-12 to a lot of those Pac-12 programs that really don't have a school, you know, a, a, a home necessarily in terms of their conference uh, affiliation. And so there's there's something like that, uh, that that could be out there. There are single sport conferences that, um, you know, uh, are technically possible. Uh, I, I don't think we've, we've ever seen it attempted in, in football just because that's a, such a um, you know key sport for a lot of these leagues. But, you know, maybe yeah. there's there's a, a path that way. And I think it's going to be fascinating because, you know what, a lot of this is up in the air. The, the Transformation Committee is meeting weekly. You know, they, they farmed out some of these tasks in terms of re uh, doing all the Division One bylaws and all that stuff. And so it's kind of of, kind of up in the air in terms of ultimately where things are going. But 
you know, you mentioned that the Sun Belt earlier. I mean, look, they, they, they kind of made waves earlier this week just in terms of uh, the other football, you know, in, in terms of soccer. You know, they added men's soccer, poached a couple of really big time programs like West Virginia, Marshall, uh, who, who just won the, uh, the the championship not too long ago. And yeah, they, it's a good ass soccer league. Greatly. Like, and, and they basically torpedoed Conference USA, which is, you know, men's soccer is one of their sports that uh, they sponsor. Now they only have really two members uh, left that yeah. end up sponsoring men's soccer. So that's taking away an entire sport sponsorship unless conference usa can find affiliate members unless they can find other schools that want to start men's soccer programs which you know it, it, it's a challenging environment to do that right now not just in terms of title nine and, and the implications that you have to consider with that but also just in terms of the pressures that are being put on from um you know in, in conference usa's footprint from some of the ml mls teams the the usl team some of the the academies um you yeah. know the, the soccer environment right now is, is really fascinating in the kind of between the 16 to 18 year old range uh, across the country. And, uh, you know, schools are kind of being caught in the, in the middle of that. And so I think it's, it's, it's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. And I, I think the unique thing, uh, we, we've seen these uh, leagues kind of temporarily kind of band together to get those AQ bids. We don't know what yeah. the future of the, the AQ bids are. You, know, you mentioned in, in basketball. I mean, look, we, we've talked about revenue changes in terms of the NCAA units uh, being paid out. Um, I, I think the, it might be a case to where, um, you know, they're, they're really trying to look hard to make sure that they not only are, are getting those AQ bids, but makes, basically that you're, your AQ bid not to the tournament is is really guaranteed to where you can actually get into the tournament. You're not being sent automatically to the first four. You know, I think that's some consideration, too, for some of these leagues is they don't want to get stuck into that constant cycle where they're going to the first four. They're only getting one bid. Um there's just a, a lot going on, and I think it's it's made for some a little bit of chaos, if you will, just because there's so many moving parts. It has been a real challenge to try and, and wrap my arms around it. On, on, on soccer, you're right, and, and we haven't even had a chance to talk about this, but we're looking at a world where soccer might be like a two-semester sport. Like, you might have some fall stuff. You might have some stuff in the spring. I don't know if the two conference USA refugees end up in the MAC. Or if they end up in in some other affiliate league, I, I don't. I'd be surprised if Conference USA can recruit enough to kind of to kind of backfill at that point. But it does speak to what is, as I understand it, a broadening of the Sun Belt's ambitions. So before the last round of expansion, this is not a pejorative. I think it's just the reality. The Sun Belt perceived itself as a football conference. Football was the most important thing. Second most important thing was football. Third most important thing was football. And they made these expansion decisions primarily about football. And I think you can make a pretty compelling case right now. You know, we'll see what happens in the next year or two. That they're the best G5 football league. I, the you know, maybe maybe it's the American, depending on the year, Mountain West. But the idea that there was a massive gap between the American and the Sun Belt, I I, I think in the in the short term is, is is not there right now. We'll see what happens in a couple of years. Um, and, and, but I think as a consequence of that, maybe they weren't necessarily expecting, but now you've ended up with a really good men's soccer league. You have some really good baseball programs. You have at the top end, some very strong softball programs. And so now the thought is what if instead of just being our goal, being the best non-power football conference, which is maybe you don't agree with they're there now, maybe, maybe not, but it's not an impossible goal. I don't think it's impossible for them to catch South Florida and Memphis, depending on, on kind of what happens in that league. Um, but why not be that in everything? Why don't, why, why can't we be a multi-bid league in everything that we're doing? And, you know, that's, uh, that is an attainable goal, depending on how you do membership or what you invest in for baseball or softball or some other things. Georgia State got a 16 seat in the men's tournament. 
I can tell you there is a mandate <laughs> within the Sun Belt, whether you fix that through scheduling or uh, expansion or something else, to never be a 16 seed again. And whatever they decide to do on that front has major implications for the A-Sun and for the Southland and or uh, potentially other leagues, because that's likely where you're looking to pull from. Even potentially the Missouri Valley, although at least for the Missouri Valley, you know, through our through my reporting and through kind of talking around a little bit, we know that there's a pipeline of several potential basketball candidates to backfill there. Um and, you know, if you lose a Missouri Valley football uh, school, you can there's there's options to go and, and grab that 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 uh, replacement. Um, you know, there's three or four other schools that would love to be in the Missouri Valley for, for basketball and have, have applied before. That's not the case right now for the Southland. Like you're hoping New Orleans starts a football team. It's not really the case for the A-Sun because if West Florida was ready to join, West Florida would be in that league. Like that's they're, they're, they're operating on different timelines. Um, so that's what I'm hearing right now, friends. Chances are, or there's a good chance there'll be some additional clarity next week. If something breaks during next week, we'll retweet it. We'll share it on D1 Ticker, which you should read. It is going to literally kill me (laughs) to not want to immediately try to call and blog about it. But if I do, my children will not forgive me. So hopefully nothing explodes until I can get back. But I've realized by virtue of saying that, the Sun Belt is going to announce four new schools uh, next Thursday because... Well, I mean, we didn't even get into you mentioned the MVC there. I mean, like there was some drama surrounding the, that conference uh, this week. I, as forgot well. to th- I forgot to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I know about that. Um, there is a reason that Murray State wasn't announced as soon as Murray State basketball joined everything. And uh, I think at the at the beginning of that announcement, when they, all their other sports joined the Missouri Valley, that I think there was some fan expectation that football would join immediately. Sometimes people forget this. They're two different leagues. Yeah. They have two different commissioners. They have two different membership. They The only thing they have in common is some of the same schools and the words Missouri Valley. They have different missions and everything in the Missouri Valley. Um, you know, don't listen to this if you work for the big sky. The Missouri Valley is the best SCS football conference. Um, you know, I, 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 you, you can argue the big sky if you want, but like this is how they perceive themselves. And Murray State, we have to be honest here. Right now they suck. They're not a good SCS football team. Uh, they are a they are a Sagarin sub two hundred kind of program, which means that when they play North Dakota State or South Dakota State, barring significant improvement, they are going to get put in the trash. And uh, you found that there were some schools in that league that didn't want to deal with them, and that maybe you deal with them if Western Illinois left, which was something that looked like it really could happen for months. Now I don't think that it will, and there's some weird institutional politics behind that. And you had an, an unusual case of North Dakota State's president flat out saying, I voted against this. I have a lot of concerns. Now, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that particular president is leaving. So that may be the case of, I don't give a, <laughs> give a shit anymore because <laughs> I'm gone in six months. I can tell you what I really think. And also a way of giving maybe his AD and his administration some cover from fans who really don't like this decision. Um, and to give cover for other schools that did. But I'm not saying that the Missouri Valley is going to break up and that the Summit League is going to start football. I know that that's on message boards. I've seen it on Reddit. I have not heard that from anybody that would know, and I've asked them. I don't know if it's possible, but like that's not a thing that I'm aware of is, is in the works right now. But I do know that when conference realignment changes happen and you immediately have people saying, I'm not in favor of this, and there's not 
a veritable truckload of money to paper over those differences like there is with Texas joining the SEC above Texas A&M's complaints, you have the potential for instability. So something else to monitor there over the, over the next year, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you look at the MVC and MVFC, I, I guess you would, would say in, in terms of their, their initials. But uh, look, that is a league that obviously you have North Dakota State and they're kind of off to their, their own. But like all the others in the league, especially the other Dakota schools, like they've raised their game significantly over the last couple of years when it comes to football. And I think there is some concern. Is this a step back? You know, I think that that's why those yeah. those words were very pointed, uh, certainly. And, and I think there was, you know, the fact of the matter is that uh, they kind of went running to some of the local media outlets to kind of get their, their viewpoint out there, I think was was certainly notable. It's, it's something that I think the, uh, you know, the Missouri Valley Commissioner will have to address, I'm, I'm sure, with some of those presidents. But, hey, when you're going out the door, you know, probably pretty much anything goes. And so you might as well uh, go ahead and put that out there, especially if it'll earn you some, some brownie points uh, as you're exiting with your your fan base and, and some of your boosters and, and alumni in, in particular. But I think it just kind of speaks to the fact that uh, there there is just a heck of a lot going on at, at the FCS level in terms of uh, moving parts. And, and I think that to me is certainly a, a source of fr- frustration for some that uh, just kind of want that stable home. But there's there's really not one out there like that. That is like me. Yeah. <laughs> I love writing about this stuff. I want everyone to chill for like a month. I want to beat Horizon Zero Dawn. I want to make a jewelry box for for my daughter. I want to be able to talk about other stuff for a little bit. And uh, I don't know if it's my own neurosis or what, but when, you know, I get these texts, I feel like I'm, I'm obligated to go track them down as quickly as I can. And uh, I'm not going to get that, that, uh, that blessing. There's a lot happening. I mean, we're not even done necessarily. You got the, the Big 12 commissioner search. You know, maybe that's a, a league again that uh, we, we've always heard that they might be expanding as a, a, another round of that once the, the four new members come in and in Texas and Oklahoma ultimately exit. Obviously, a lot of connection with, with Boise State and Memphis uh, just in terms of the, the initial round. You know, we might not be done at the FBS level. So conference realignment well, no. that does not slow down. Not if the Sun Belt has its way, right? Then those will be also FBS moves. I want to very quickly talk about something that is popular with the North Dakota State fan community, much more popular than Murray State football, home field apparel. Because does home field apparel have North Dakota State? You're goddamn right they do. Um, They have a wonderful snorting bison uh, t-shirt. My wife has bought it. Uh, many people have asked her if she goes to North Dakota, went to North Dakota State. She's like, nope, my husband is just a big deal on nerd internet. And now I have this shirt, um, which is great because it's a lovely shirt. You got a bunch of other great Midwestern institutions, but most of them in the Big Ten. You also have some in the Horizon League, some there in the Missouri Valley. Any kind of licensed shirt that you would want with a lot of the vintage, unique logos uh, that are from yesteryear, you can get it from our friends at Home Field Apparel. They got T-shirts. They got hoodies. They got crewnecks. You can buy pants. I think you can still buy the pants with the St. Peter's peacock on them. Uh, I, I don't think they sell the doggers anymore. Uh, they even sell a couple of stickers and they sell extra point shirts. You know, we, we don't use this logo all of the time now. I really like the pennant extra points logo. It fits in with the whole kind of whole my whole deal behind me with all the other pennants. But the, the bag man does have a soft spot in my heart. I can understand why maybe not every single extra points partner thinks that that's brand safe or caters to the message that we want, whatever. I get it. But if you want, if you like the Bagman logo, Homefield Apparel sells t-shirts with it. And I have stickers with the Bagman. Uh, and you can support our sponsor and support our show and our newsletter and our company by buying some of that stuff. And you can do it with promo code extra points and save 15% off of your first order from Homefield Apparel. Um, Brian, are you, are you rocking home field today? 
You are. Oh, look, yeah, look at course. that. You, you got to go with the tops. With go, you're going with the tops. I'm wearing a real shirt today because I felt like I, I was running late and I had to put on something with a collar. I was speaking to a class beforehand. I am wearing the Boise State Bronco shirt under this because I am incapable of dressing like a true professional uh, despite being a professional. Well, I, I, I just um, had an interview and, and uh, I had to go put my son down after afterwards. And so, you know, I had to, had to change shirts. Uh, I'm going to go with the, you know, the tops here and, and WKU and, and uh, rocking one of the unique logos, I think, in the catalog. And look, still a lot more to come from home field in terms of their designs, in terms of some of their stuff. It's uh, we're, we're easing into summer and, and spring uh, and, and uh, they still got the, a lot out there on their plate. But uh, be sure to use that, uh, that promo code extra points because there is uh, a lot that you can peruse through the catalog to find. And also, just one quick note, if you happen to work for a university or an athletic conference or some third-party institution that is somehow affiliated with college sports, and you're thinking, boy, North Dakota State has their stuff on there. Colorado School of Mines has their stuff on there. Chicago State has stuff on there. Why aren't my, why isn't my stuff on there? Brother, shoot me, shoot me an email, matt at extrapointsmb.com. I'll hook you up with, with, with Home Field, and we'll see if, we can, if they can get your stuff on there too. Brian, I got a couple of minutes before I need to go dad and then edit the la- the, the legion of paper of things I have to edit before I can actually take this time off. But we do want to quickly talk about this big 12 coach, this big 12, not coaching search, uh, athletic director search. Um, there's been a lot of names bandied about. I know you've been making calls about it. What, what have you heard? Uh, about yeah, this opening. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very early in the process, right? You know, I think the the presidents themselves, you know, have not really gotten a chance to get together and, and discuss things. I, I would imagine, you know, right now they're they're going to hire a search firm. You know, I think that's kind of step one. Um, you know, kind of conduct the background searches that they need to uh, on a lot of the candidates. Kind of throw that big net out there. Kind of get some feedback, certainly from not just uh, you know the the current you know eight presidents, but uh, also the the four you know incoming schools. Get their thoughts in terms of who they, who they want to work with. You know, what type of leader that they're, they're looking for uh, you know i think that is, that is the key though over probably the next month uh really every, everybody in the big 12 is going to be meeting in phoenix uh you know for kind of their spring meetings that's a pretty popular meeting spot pac 12 be out there big 10 will be out there um and, and i think that is kind of when the next phase for the big 12 is really going to kick into gear and you start to get um you know beyond just kind of the, the general names that are getting thrown out like oliver luck and all those like i think there's actually going to be uh the, the really drilling down into here's five or six candidates uh going into those spring meetings and look I think they are certainly aiming towards, um, you know, an early July uh, type of hire. I think there's uh, no reason to suggest that that they, they won't make that uh, that date. And I think there is a, a lot of optimism that they want to uh, roll out a new commissioner for Big 12 media days uh, there in mid-July. I think that's kind of the the target date um, for the transition to happen. And, you know, if Bob Bullsby has to stay on a, a little longer, I think it's not, uh, not that big of a deal. But uh, ultimately, he doesn't want to want to go back and, and go out and go fish and, and go golf and, and uh, enjoy his grand- time with his grand kids as well so um you know there's there's a lot going on i think there's a lot of names but it's still very early in the process i think the smart way to consume news about this search is to focus less on the names you and i can sit here we can ref on 10 names that get brought up for most of these searches a lot of those candidates are the same uh that you would have for the pac-12 or the or the sec and you know that that's fine those are they're highly talented executives um there's going to be a couple of names that are going to pop up that are not on India's list now, just because I think they're going to do some vetting for people outside of the industry, whether they're tied more on broadcasting, whether they're tied more with tech. I, I wouldn't be shocked if one of the five or six finalists ends up being somebody who is primarily from the streaming world. 
uh, or even potentially live events world uh, to, to kind of just take their temperature as someone similar to a Klyavkov. Um, but I don't know. I don't know who they're going to hire yet. Like the, the, the more interesting thing, I, I think, for everything here, and we'll get some more information after Phoenix, is more about skill sets. Uh, I would also agree, and this would echo with, with what I have been hearing, that somebody in the seat by Big 12 Media Days is, is a reasonable goal. And the two, Bullsby and the new person, will probably work together for a little bit, which is not uncommon for lots of big, gigantic leadership changes and what we've been seeing on, on some level with a lot of commissioner changes. I, I, I am happy that Bob gets to play with his grandkids. I imagine he's not going to throw his phone in the fireplace forever. Um, as the, as they kind of transition this, I, I, I would say, I also like, I don't get the sense that this was like a red wedding, your coup kind of situation. Like I think a lot of people in college sports knew that there isn't a delicate on ramp because there's, we're lurching from one catastrophe to another, but that something like this was likely. Uh, within the kind of time frame we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Bob has kind of mentioned it him, himself in interviews and whatnot and, and chatting with folks is it just kind of was a bit of a natural jumping off point for him, given where the league is going. You have, you know, membership changes. You have an, a TV deal coming in. You know, ideally, the new commissioner not only gets to know everybody, but it kind of understands the, the lay of the land before jumping into those negotiations with, with Fox and ESPN. And, um, you know, I think there's there's the other kind of thing that uh, he, he knows more than anybody about college football playoff expansion you know that there is still that process to go and and i think that was a concern certainly when this the the 12 team plan that he initially worked on and put two years of of uh, blood sweat and uh, airport meetings and uh, secret conference rooms into um you know a lot of it got derailed by new commissioners coming in so i think there's you know kind of a, a focus from the big 12 to say hey we can get our new guy in that room why those conversations are going on about the future of the postseason in in football especially the postseason in terms of you know revenue distributions and where the big 12 falls on that i think that's going to be key uh, for the new guy and then obviously a lot of change at the ncaa level that uh, the big 12 is going to have to navigate still have that a5 uh, designation when it comes to uh, kind of some special status and in, in passing uh, bylaws and all that stuff is that going to change is it, uh, it doesn't seem like it but you never know uh with with a, with a leadership transition so having somebody that um people know is going to be at the table for for a while um it is always going to be important for them so uh, I, I think it's just a fascinating commissioner search and, and really will tell us more than anything the future of what the big 12 really wants to be and, and i think that is the key that uh, you're going to look forward not not just the names in, involved in this one but um you know really what the big 12 wants to be that's a great point about how this impacts the college football playoff um we, we did have some, well, there's a lot of new commissioners in there. And, you know, some of those people, Jim Phillips has been, has been working in college sports since it emerged from the primordial ooze, you know, way, way, way back, way back eons, eons ago. Right. Um, but uh, it's different when you, when you're in the big chair and especially when a lot of the kind of battle lines are SEC versus everybody else. And one person has a lot more experience than everyone. I can see why some stakeholders in the big 12 would say, well, that's why we need a Jim Phillips. That's why we need somebody who could step into that room and immediately start pushing people around from day one. Maybe. I don't know if there are that many Jim Phillips out there. Uh, that, that could be it or well, something else. Well, if this, could, if could this, if this, if this had happened uh, oh, maybe 18 months ago, 
let's say Bob Bullsby announces, hey, I, I want to retire, whatever, 18 months ago, like or, or just even a year ago at this time, like I, I would have put some money on, on Joe C, uh, Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma AD, uh, yeah, being the guy. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Uh, certainly. But like, you know, talk about it's like yeah. an AD that would have been respected around the league. Like everybody would have had no issues with, with Joe moving from from Norman to Dallas, like like and in, in, in yep. taking over the big chair. You know, he, he's been a mentor to a lot of the ADs around the league like that. That would have made so much sense. But not now. That that's for sure. You like that 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 axis of, of Texas and Oklahoma influence is 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 is, there, is not there anymore. Like that to me is, is another fascinating kind of subplot to everything going on right now in the Big Twelve. Is is which you know school presidents are going to step up and fill that vacuum? Which which of the school ads are, are going to make sure that their voices are heard? You know, is it going to be a Mac Rhodes? Is it, is it going to be a Kirby Hokut? You know, are, are they going to be the ones having influence over this process? Because Texas and Oklahoma, they are they are they are headed out of town. Their their bags are packed. They are kind of locked out outside the, uh, the door there. And, uh, they will probably not have that much influence on the future of the big 12 anymore. And, um, that has not been the case since the league was, was founded. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much influence they're going to have. Do they get to vote? On, well, on the new person, that, you know, I, I've been asking around, and so on future matters, like it, it doesn't seem like it would be, but uh, they're they have not given notice yet uh, officially in terms of actually when they're exiting the league. Obviously, they've been invited to the SEC, so that is happening. So that and that is why they're they're not included. But uh, you you never know. Um, Texas and Oklahoma, they they still technically still have a seat at the table. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, this is a good place to close. This sport is so stupid. I say that with love. Um, one way or another, it looks like both of us are going to be writing and talking and doing videos about schools in Texas leaving or not leaving their respective conferences, whether they're in places that will pay them $110 million or $110,000. Um, you will be able to uh, listen to some of these interviews on Collegiate Sports Connect with uh, 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 Brian and I and our team talking to different uh, leaders within college athletics about realignment, about media rights deals, about NIL, about facilities, all of that stuff. They're all free. We sign up on Collegiate Sports Connect. Um, my understanding is that we're going we're to try to do this podcast without me. I will write the episodes, uh, you know, share those on extra points. I'm not, unfortunately, leaving the state. I'm mostly just, to, you know, tooling around with my kids the, the next couple of days because they're, they're off of school. But the podcast will continue. And of course, you can continue to follow along at extrapointsmb.com. Uh, if I can finish this editing in time, we are going to have a post on Extra Points next week from a current college athlete as part of the next generation of NIL deals. We've got some freelance stories coming from Andy Wittry. Um, I don't know. I, maybe maybe if this if the Sun Belt expands in the next six days, I'll write something. We'll we'll find we'll find out. Let's let's not find out, but we might find out. Uh, you can also, of course, follow me on Twitter at Matt Brown EP. Uh, did I forget to plug anything? I think I got everything right. No, I think that, that that's pretty much it. And if you want the latest on every single re realignment rumor out there, certainly sign up for for D1 Ticker because that will be in either the our morning edition or our evening standard edition. And that is what a lot of other ADs and a lot of conference commissioners are reading as well as they kind of get try to make sense of this this changing college landscape. Friends, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for all of your support over the last couple of weeks. Thanks for telling your friends about this podcast, which you can find on Spotify and YouTube and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. And if your microwave oven lets you download podcasts, there's probably a way to figure out how to play this on there too while you're waiting for your popcorn. Um, we'll, Brian will catch up with you next week. I will see you, uh, hopefully with all 10 of my fingers, after some well-needed garage time. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all soon.